to the Dream Journal. From the studios of KSQD in Santa Cruz, the Dream Journal is a weekly show where we explore the power of nighttime dreams through conversations with dream experts and with you. In the words of Carl Jung, who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakens. Today's music is called Equinoxes, after Jean-Michel Jarre. Is reality actually a kind of theater which we make up along the way? The transformative potential of dream work today with author and certified dream worker, Tina Tao. I'm your host, Catherine Bell of Experiential Dreamwork, and welcome to the Dream Journal. All right, uh, Dream Journal is also a weekly podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review. But most importantly, tell your friends. Archives are available at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also at ksqd.org slash the dash dream dash journal. You may have noticed we're having technical difficulties at the squid and our podcast system is mostly down. I have now two shows plus this one that are uh, released and listenable, but I'm afraid that the archives, the massive over 200 show archives are currently not available. I'll throw up some more shows as soon as I can. And hopefully uh, we'll be getting our system back online soon. But people who are listening live have no problem with that. So welcome so much to the show. Ah, I want to let you know we also are on PRX. And so uh, there's no problem with PRX. If you subscribe there, look up the Dream Journal. That's Public Radio Exchange. You can also find all our shows there dating back about a dozen shows. So I'm going to start with my personal dream work, and um, uh, it's the same as last week. What can I say? This is I'm still really feeling into that moment of swooping up and down in the water with the redheaded boy at the edge of the shore, um, and I'm just uh, playing in the waves, really up on the ba- up on the beach, down in the water, never fully on dry land, never fully. Uh, in the water and uh, just but with this boy, this redheaded boy, smiling teenager, uh, connecting. It's really sweet. Um, I'm in Massachusetts right now um, visiting my mom and uh, my father passed away a few days ago. So I'm really bringing in the spirit of Richard Bell. So I'm glad to have him as a kind and caring father. So thank you, dad. Tina Tao is an adventurer. She is a writer and dream worker. She lives in Portland, Oregon. Tina is the author of the recent memoir, Ask for Horses, Memoir of a Dream-Guided Life. She believes that dreams are a royal road to a great conversation and a window into a richer version of reality. And her webpage is tinatau.com. Tau is spelled T-A-U. Tinatau.com to find out all about our guests. 
Hello. Ah, hello, Tina. I'm really, really happy to be here. I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Glad you can be there with your people. Yeah, it's important getting together with family and, uh, you know, really talk about being on the edge of, uh, of the liminal space between the beach and the water. That really seems to be uh, where we're at, at the, in the presence of someone passing away and, you know, celebrating his life and all that. So, Tina, Absolutely. thank you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that liminal space. That's that's a yep. Sounds like a beautiful place to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good, good. So I just wanted to say that I, I uh, found out about Tina Tao and because of the Ashland Conference that we just had in June, the IASD conference. And um, I didn't get to go to your talk because actually your talk was exactly the same time as my talk and <laughs> just the next room oh. over. <laughs> so there was no chance for me to go to that series of talks. Um, but I uh, really love the idea of um, thinking about consensus reality and what does well, what does that even mean and how do dreams affect our, our view of that? Yeah, well, I had I had a lot of fun giving that talk. Um, I had three dreams um, that I wanted to talk about, and um, it's and I'll, I'll tell one of them here, a short one. We'll see if there's time for others. I just noticed that in the past couple of years, my dreams have really been um, pressuring me to think about what is and isn't real and the, the possibility that we're, we're writing our lives, scripting them as mm. theater. And, they, you know, they, they tell it in such beautiful ways. Um, the first, the dream I'm going to tell you now is really is short. Um, yeah, the, the big dream that, you know, that, that talks so much about theater. We'll see if there's time for that one. Um, but I had this dream um, April of 2022, so a little over a year ago, and I was really in a, a crisis time. Um, my partner was in the hospital. He, was, he had leukemia, and he'd just been diagnosed with acute leukemia, and he was very freaked out and trying to make decisions about treatment. And uh, I had also, about six months before, been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, and I was doing well, but I needed to take care of myself. And here was Steve, who wanted me full-time in the hospital with him and helping him decide what to do. And my daughter, who lives in Switzerland, was home for two weeks at that same time, and I just wanted to be with her every minute. So I was, I was, um, you know, there should have been three of me, and I was completely overwhelmed and out of my mm-hmm. wig, and just um, exhausted trying to take care of myself and Steve and be with my daughter. So I had this dream. I'm in a town or coming into a town. I'm swimming in a canal that's also kind of a whitewater river that flows through the town, and I'm swimming upstream. I'm with some other people, and they're ahead of me, and I'm having just a hell of a time. I'm really tired, wearing out, thinking, I can't do this. I'm too old. I'm not going to catch up with them. I'm, I, um, 
it's too much. Mm-hmm. And, and then all of a sudden, for no reason that I could see, stood up. And the water was only about a foot deep, 14 <laughs> inches deep, something like that. <laughs> and I could easily, easily walk. And I could even get out of the canal and walk along on the towpath on the side, and I, which I did. And I walked into town, and I um, met up with the people I'd been following. And <clears throat> that was, that's the dream. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was full of messages. Uh, I, it's, I call it stand up. Um, it was the message to, you know, stand up for myself a little bit um, mm. and, you know, claim what I wanted to do, not just thinking about what everybody else in the, in the story needed me to do. But what really interested me as I thought about the dream for a while is how did I know to stand up? Mm. Oh, yeah. Like on, on some level, I must have known that it was shallow. And it's like I, uh, I, I stopped pretending that it was hard. It just got too hard, so I couldn't go along with that version of my reality anymore. I, hmm. I had to admit to myself what I re- basically knew, which was this isn't this isn't the only reality you can be in. You, it is possible to stand up here and just walk. And it's like, how, like letting myself in on what some part of me already knew. Like mm. I, I had been, I'd been agreeing to play along in some way with the idea that things were hard. And it, that it was hard enough that it somehow broke that spell. Right. Anyway, so yeah, because yeah, certainly, you know, I'm sorry, to, I just want to jump in and like, a, so I so I know these kinds of dreams, like, so that if I'm imagining myself in the dream, that the struggling, that sense of swimming upstream and feeling overwhelmed, and it feels very real, it feels like there's no way out, like there, it feels intense, and so, you know, how would I even think that there's such an easy way out? Yeah, I mean, and it, it did shift things for me. I mean, I realized, for instance, that I could ask for help um, and get help. And um, but it's like uh, some yeah, some part of me that the that the dream was aware of said. Okay, it's not. It's not what you think. It's you're. You're allowing yourself to believe that this is hard, mm-hmm. um, which you know it certainly was hard, but that there there was, in in some way, a way to stand up to take a higher view of it, and to step out of the stream. Mm-hmm. Um, If, you know, if there's time, which I guess there is, um, I'll tell the dream that really talks about theater 
It's a much okay. more complicated dream. Are we good with that? Well, yeah, sure. But I just want to spend another minute here because this is just such a beautiful, simple example of, of, of reality and like what we think of re- is reality versus what is reality. Well, if there is, or shall we say one version of reality and another version of reality, like who knows, maybe that right, standing right, up exactly. is not real either. And just, I, I want to right. just like highlight that a little bit because it's, uh, it's just so, so beautiful. The idea that, um, where I am, like I'm, I very often get into a state of being hyper frustrated. I'm like, Oh my God, this is crazy. I, I can't, I'm, overwhelmed just don't bother me you know but and and i know that that's a that's the kind of reality that's that's not that's something i'm telling myself there's some way that that can't be what's really happening and that this is a story i'm telling myself and again i'm, I'm really curious about this theater dream uh, but i just wanted to kind of highlight that sense that very often i'll get to the state of feeling overwhelmed and and even just to have that consciousness is like maybe i could just stand up here like have a different mindset if there's something changed that does that you know, change my view of reality, whether it changes the actual reality or not, or what do we even right. mean by reality? <laughs> just a lot of yes, questions exactly. come up for me here, and I, I know this is not about answering questions. It's just like bringing up the questions. So, yeah. 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 Well, my <clears throat> the kind of the moral of the story that I took from that dream was, you know, don't take yourself so goddamn seriously. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, yeah. and, and keep asking myself the question, which I often do, so what would it mean to stand up here, mm-hmm. you know, in this moment? How how would that look? Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more of a question than an answer here, but but it's that, that's a lie for me. Yeah. Okay, yes, please. So let me hear the dream about the, uh, the theater now, please. If you're yeah. ready. Well, <clears throat> sure. Um, so I had this, I don't know, four or five six years ago. Um, it's called The Pyre. Mm-hmm. And when I had it, I was um, I was about to go through a really distressing time, which I didn't realize I was going to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so this is definitely a longer dream. So in the dream, I'm, I'm in a field and I'm watching action at a distance. The people are really tiny over there, but I can see there's a little drama unfolding. Um, there's a village and there's a witch who lives in the village and she's feeling thwarted by the other villagers. So she's building a pyre to, to, stand, to burn herself on. Mm. And the villagers are racing around trying to stop her. And as soon as I realize this is what's happening, I run over there and I'm instantly in the scene. <clears throat> and I... I see her pyre. The base of it is this compressed, is this cube of compressed living animals, horses, cows, pigs, and they're all smashed together into this cube about 20 foot cubic, like that. And on top of that, she's got this little driftwood hut, and she's going to stand on top of the whole thing and burn it all up. And so I run over and I start to extract animals from the cube, just the young ones, a foal and a little piglet and... And so on. And my my idea is that I'll be destabilizing her structure, and because I'm pulling stuff out of it, and it'll fall over, and she, it won't work. But so I'm pulling these animals out, and I'm turning around, putting them in a pond behind me, and over my shoulder I see this tower of flame. So she's done it. It didn't. My work didn't make any difference at all. So that's um, very intense, terrifying, mm-hmm. and then. Yeah. 
the next the next scene, I mean, it morphs then into this scene of like a battlefield or a blasted heath, a battlefield after the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this huge black bird, maybe 80, 90 feet across, that's with a skeleton, white skeleton head. It's hanging over the, the field like the, it's the bird of death. And the whole scene is like ashes and, you know, King Lear uh, out on the moor. It was, it's terrible. Wow, yeah. Uh, I mean, and my, I'm standing there with my boyfriend and I'm trying to get him to notice this bird. And as I look at the bird, after a while, I realize there are wires on the wings that go up into the sky. Hmm. And, and I realize that the, 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 the wings are made of cloth, black cloth, which I'm sure at first it was a living bird and there were, the wings were flesh, like a bat. But at this moment, the wings are black cloth and the wire's going up and I'm thinking, oh my God, it's a puppet. It's some mm-hmm. huge puppet. Well, who's big enough to run that puppet, I ask mm-hmm. myself. That's just, mm-hmm. This is the key question in the dream. And God, mm-hmm. my next question. And as I ask that question, the bird, it's like a stage set or something. The bird turns inside out. The wires, it becomes a ship. And the, the black wings turn white and they become the canvas sails of a tall ship. And the wires on the wings become the rigging. And here's this ship now, full-sized ship, but it's on a stage. It's like HMS Pinafore. And a performance of that or something. And on the deck is the queen, and there are flags flying, and the sun is shining, and the, there's a band playing, and I'm standing on the ground with these little animals still in the pond behind me, and I'm looking up at this, at the queen, and this whole scene, which has been transformed from disaster and tragedy into shining joy. And I think, um, no, I'm informed, you know, an invisible voice says, this whole thing happened. The whole uh, burning of the witch, the bird, and everything, because someone wanted to see the queen. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so that's the end of the dream. Okay. And, um, you know, lots in my life happened that uh, the dream helped to make sense of. But, again, as I thought about it more over time, I thought, you know, that thing, that dream, was all in the language of theater. You know, the opening scene, there's a drama unfolding. And I'm the audience at first. I'm big at first. I'm, you might want to say, big enough to run that puppet. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm huge. Because I'm seeing this action in the distance of these tiny little people. Okay, but I forgot all along after I, when I was thinking about this dream how big I was at the beginning. I shrank myself to get into the story. I raced over there. Okay, so there's that. There's, there's a three-act nature of the thing. Very vivid, you know, the witch, the blackbird, and then the joyful ending. There's all these references to theater. The King Lear... HMS Pinafore, the stage, the sort of stage scenery feeling of the bird turning inside out and becoming a ship, 
the fact that the part of the ship is still in the wings, mm. and then the whole puppet thing. Um, and the dream was was so... So I was really interested. Okay, so the, the dream is really insistent about the, the theater imagery of this story. Um, and and f- kind of framing the crisis I was about to go through in this way, like you have you have set this up, um, but the question that the dream revolves around is who's big enough to run that puppet anyway? Okay, yeah. And because that's the moment when the when I ask that the bird turns into the ship, and so the. That's what the dream wants me to think about. I think, you know, who is big enough to run that puppet? So that, you know, that's like 300 feet high, somebody who's big enough to run that puppet. Um, so I, it's been encouraging me to think, well, who am I really? You know, am I big enough to run that puppet? Yeah. Oh, am I big enough? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And what would it mean to be that? I mean, I feel I totally identify with the with the person who's who's trying to save the little animals. But you know, the the ending thing that the voice told me in the dream. Um, so this all happened because somebody wanted to see the queen. Okay. Well, I saw the queen, so that it all happened because. I wanted to see the queen, which, like, the the story of the dream transforms the witch into the queen. Right? It's like a phoenix thing. Mm-hmm. She gets burned up, and then, you know, that's who she is at the beginning, and then at the end, there's the queen. So that's me, I think, turning from a witch into a queen by means of this drama. Um, but how does that work? It works by means of this question. By noticing that there are wires on the wings of our catastrophe, hmm. that that when you notice the wires and you ask the question, you begin to wonder. Everything changes. It's like that moment when I stand up in the stream, right? It things um, look look entirely different. Right, again, right. Not, right. Yeah. So, how, so it's interesting because these are dreams that we're talking about, and yet there's something about waking life reality here, too. Like I shared with you, my experience of being super frustrated in waking life, and and yet realizing that just a shift of awareness could really get me out of that frustration, maybe even shifting frustration to excitement or something. And um, so. Um, so tell me how this applies to, to waking life. Like, what have you been exploring about uh, this whole idea of consensus reality? The idea of consensus is like something we all agree on. Yeah. Well, it's it's not like I don't, you know. Um, okay, it's not like I don't participate in consensus reality or, you know, it doesn't still feel very real. Um, but it, it's, 
I have a looser grip on it, right? It's not like I, I believe in it so completely. I'm more likely to be amused and wonder and mm. think, okay, this thing that I am inclined to take seriously, I wonder if that's really... Um, really true, or if there's some freedom here that I'm not seeing. It's like I'm not quite as uh, pulled in or drawn in. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm more likely to be able to, um, to wonder or to, or to laugh. Um, it, the, you know, that dream really helped me with the crisis that I went through, um, because when I realized, you know, about six months later what the dream was had foretold, you know, in this, this really tough time in my life, I realized, okay, there's a happy ending in the dream. So I could maybe trust that the dream, people writing the dream had to, had a line on the happy ending as well as the disaster. Um, and I, I ended up sailing on a tall ship across the Atlantic Ocean for six weeks as a result of that dream. Thinking, oh, this is okay, waking I, life, right? That's wait in waking life. I did that in waking. Yeah. Uh-huh, I just uh-huh. I thought I could maybe, you know, nurture the dream, encourage the happy ending, see the queen. Maybe if I got on a tall ship and sailed across the ocean, which was mm-hmm. fantastic. You know, I was. Um, it was a great and beautiful adventure, and it did. It did help um, with my grief, but it's. Yeah, so consensus reality, we, um, we've all agreed to believe in this thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And we know from, you know, science, all kinds of science research, this is, this is just our version. This is, this is a human-filtered version of what's mm-hmm. happening, and it's very culturally filtered, and it's filtered through our childhood experiences, and it's filtered through our, you know, the, the limitations of our senses and all that. Um, it's, but it's hard to, you know, step outside that and not, not, not take it so, so seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's wonderful to you know to shake it a little, and I I do feel my dreams over the years, you know some lucid dreams and so on, just have given me uh, this the sense that I'm I'm being instructed to loosen up, lighten up, look further. Um, Sometimes I think of myself as uh, like Harold and Harold in the Purple Crayon books. Oh, yeah, I remember those. Uh He walks along with his purple crayon and he creates the world as he goes and he gets into trouble. His hand wobbles and then he builds himself a ship and he he finds his way home all by using this crayon. You know, it's like I'm I'm aware that I'm I'm like that. I'm Uh kind of like Harold. Right, I I love that. Uh, that's that book. I totally remember that. 
So I want to let you yeah. uh, know, Tina, that we have somebody on the phone. We have, uh, uh, is it Greg or Gary? Uh, on the phone. Uh, there's Gary, a friend, uh, a friend of yours, apparently. But we're going to take a short break. So, Gary, hang in there. We're going to get right uh, back to you. We're going to get out to Gary. and We'll get right back to Tina Tao. In just a moment, we're going to take a super quick uh, station break and uh, you're listening to the dream journal my name is Catherine bell and we're talking today about dreams and consensus reality we have more to talk about uh including the idea of climate change crisis and also ask for horses this is a uh, tina's new book ask for horses memoir of a dream guided life you're listening to ksqd uh santa cruz we'll be right back Okay, welcome back to the Dream Journal. I want to let you know that next week we will be speaking to David Selak all the way from Australia. We'll be talking about his ideas around a superior sleep schedule, plus the Seth materials and what they have to say about dreaming. So my name is Catherine Bell. You're listening to the Dream Journal. We're talking about consensus reality with Tina Tao. So we also have a uh, phone caller. So let's go, go ahead and open up the line to Gary, uh, also from Oregon. So, hello, Gary. Hello. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Tina. Hi, Gary. Excellent. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for doing this, this show and sharing the good news of what's possible and uh, bringing our dreaming reality to waking reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, what's been your experience, Gary? What are you, what's on your mind? Well, uh, you know, I have a I have a dream uh, that I'm prepared to share, um, and yeah, so um, maybe uh, for the sake of uh, time and expediency, I could just get right into it. Sure, that'd be great. Okay, great. Um, so the title of this dream is uh, the Return to Yosemite. Hmm. So I'm uh, I. I'm driving in Northern California when the dream opens, and it's these wild and fantastic roads that are more like a roller coaster than roads, but in the kind of in the laws of, of the universe of this dream, uh, it all seems quite normal. Um, you know, these uh, very exaggerated uh, banking turns and <clears throat> kind of uh, these very rolling hills with steep inclines and declines, and um, and it's so beautiful. I'm just uh, as I drive, I'm just in awe of the of the beauty, and I'm aware that <clears throat> I'm I'm driving along both the coast, and I'm also know that I'm near Yosemite. So um, it's just an interesting reality about this dream, um, and uh, and I, I realize I haven't been to this area for a really long time. And I forget just how beautiful the, the natural environment is and and then also some of the just the beautiful things that were, were created to be part of this area. So um, as I'm driving, I, I see this 
planetarium, it's like a planetarium facility, and there's these three large domes, uh, mm-hmm. and all of it is just beautiful. So it, it kind of blends into the natural beauty, but it's also this, these created, beautifully painted on the outside domes. And I'm thinking, oh, I have to keep moving, but I want to come back to see what the the, the planetarium shows might be like in these wild and fantastic domes. And as I'm driving along, I see some other facility that's um, it's like a natural museum or something like that, and it's the, kind of the same thing. It's just gorgeously painted. It's also like natural stone and just blends, again, just blends seamlessly in with the natural environment. As I'm driving along, I, <clears throat> I'm seeing down into this river, and there's all of these very large fish. And I, I think to myself, "Oh yes, I remember. There can be really large fish in this in this river." And, um, and I think, "Oh, I, I've got to come back here to to do some fishing. I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to that." So it's just just a sense of like recall, like I've been in this environment before, uh, in a sense of okay, now I'm. Now that I'm recalling, I want to um, I want to spend more time in this place. Like this would be a really good and wholesome thing to do. Mm. Um, and I, I think, uh, yeah, and that's pretty much the entirety of the dream. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any sense of like what you're most curious about? I mean, I have I have some thoughts on Monica Martina has to say, but like, what what part of the dream is most compelling for you that you're most curious about? Uh, I I think it's it's both the the strong sense of of recall this the uh-huh. sense of uh it's familiar and yet in my waking life um i have moments of that feeling but for sh- for certain i don't have a waking life sense of visiting a, a place like that it was so like over the top incredibly beautiful um so it seems to be kind of maybe a summation of uh maybe states that I've experienced, or a sense of my my natural state um, that um, that I'm returning to. Um, oh, my natural state and, that I'm returning to. I just wanted to highlight yeah. that, Gary. I love that. Yeah, thank you. Um, mm. And but what strikes me the most is this this view of these three um, domes. Uh, they're just. I mean, I did, it was jaw dropping, and 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 uh, I woke up from the stream a little bit tearful. It was so beautiful. Um, mm. So, uh, so there's something there's something about these three domes that just really um, capture my attention. Thank you, thank you, Gary. So, Tina, what's coming up for you around the stream? Wow. Well, I I do love that that sense of this is my natural state in some way and I've had dreams like that where I was kind of in a in a luminous space that felt like uh, a place I'd been before that I belonged to you know and that it's like the the sweetness of that it seems like a super good sign Gary um, mm-hmm. of of a space that you might be entering into in your life or um, allowing yourself to explore um, and I am curious about the the domes and the planetariums and what do you do you have any hints about what those might be about in your psyche or your waking life mm. Mm. <clears throat> um, hmm. I think 
think there's this, uh, well, there's a sense of how beautiful they are on the outside um, and that people would take the time to create that and also create it with a sense of how does it harmonize with the natural surroundings, mm-hmm. even though it's, it's going to be a very, uh, you know, uh, I guess, quote-unquote, unnatural uh, structure. There's you know, very perfectly round domes. Um, almost like almost like balls uh, sitting on the on the ground with just kind of the just a little bit of the base underground. Uh, they're they're almost spherical, uh, sitting on the surface. Um, but that it's that that people are able to pull that off, and that inside is this kind of can be some exploration of the of the vastness of of the cosmos. And, you know, they kind of think about it now, like, I actually don't know what kind of shows <laughs> they're having inside there. Uh, you know, I, I'm, you know, my dream consciousness is assuming um, what it is, but it, it, it could be a myriad of, of mm. things that take place in these three domes. And well, if we take it at face value, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm just going to jump in, Gary, because uh, I'd say if we take it at face yeah. value, the idea of the pl- camera stream is already where I'm excited about this. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. the planetarium, I mean, I worked in planetarium for a couple of years when I was in college. I'm an astrophysicist by training, as most people, most you mm. know. Um, and uh, and it's like the representation of the cosmos. Like you're talking about the cosmos. And, and it's, but it's a, it's a projection inside a dome. And yet it helps people to really imagine the truth of, of the best of our understanding of of reality this really ties in with our whole idea of consensus mm-hmm. reality that yeah. um, that is it's not true but it says something that is true and it helps us to see something that's true even though uh, it, it itself is not true like the yes. you know the, right. the little dots right. Uh, right the little dots on the ceiling are are just little dots of light in the <laughs> darkness they're not really stars and galaxies and yet they're helping people to understand what what is too big for the mind to comprehend in any other way so it really ties yeah. in with this whole idea of of reality reality and what is it and like it's there's these symbols these things that help us understand reality but they themselves are not reality it's like the difference between you know worshiping a um a, you know an icon versus what the icon represents mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, I love that, Catherine. And the yeah. the sense that, you know, that's like a dream, right? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. Inside our heads, these little points of light are are moving around and representing reality. It's not reality. Mm-hmm. But it's it like a dream, like a projector the, inside our skull. <laughs> exactly. <Right. laughs> <clears throat> Do you know that? Yeah, where our heads mm-hmm. are like planetariums, or our dreaming minds are like that. Uh, yeah. Right, right. Gary, thank you. This is very interesting. Also, the sense of I keep having to come back here. I'm going to come back, and yet I'm here right now. Like, what can I stay a little longer? Right, right. Can I stay a little longer? Can I linger a little longer? Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, wow, it's great. What's opening up for me is just just seeing how that's. I think uh, if dream work has given me anything, it's just the practice of how, how does how does one's life or how does my life uh, seamlessly blend into the natural environment. Uh, how can how can I live more consistent with a uh, you know a harmonious <clears throat> existence coexistence in life um, with people and with yeah with Thank nature you. and ideally to set an example that maybe this is possible for humans yeah 
Well, thank you, Gary. That's, that's, be, that's beautiful. That's, I think that's you beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Thank well, you, thank Gary. You so much. Okay. Well, take care. Thanks for listening to the Dream Journal. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Okay, take care. All right. Okay, bye, Gary. Okay, bye. Bye. I mean, talk about consensus reality. Like the dreams that we have every night are something that happens just inside our own heads, and so it's pretty, pretty clearly not uh, uh, not real to anybody except for the dreamer. And yet, it seems incredibly real once we're in when we're in it. And like I think about life. Like my father mentioning, my father just passed away, and wondering if he's just now waking up. Like, is there a way that this life is a dream and? He's waking up to some other reality that's at another level. Well, yeah. What I mean, that question is very alive, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was this a was this a dream? Um, yeah. yeah. And the more we can wonder about that while we're alive, I think the the maybe the easier our passage into death, right? We. Uh, uh-huh. um, if we are curious, um, let's see. Yeah, and then we think that this might might be a dream. We might be prepared to think of death as a waking up, right? So mm, yeah, yeah, I would wonder. Be, yeah, it's possible. I don't know, but yeah, I think yeah. I think quite a bit about that. Uh, Lots Absolutely. of people in my life have died, and yeah. Anyway, we have another caller somewhere. We do. We have. We do indeed have another caller. We have uh, Kristen from Virginia on line two. Yeah, there, Kristen. Can you hear Hello. us? Hi, Hi. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. Um, so I've been facing a pretty big decision um, about moving back across the country from. Virginia back to Idaho, where I want to be, where um, I lived before, and I've had some dreams about that, and I'd like to share one that seems pretty crystal clear, but just thought I would share it and maybe get a different viewpoint. (laughs) Absolutely. It's always Um, good to speak out loud and see what comes up for you then. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, So I'm living in a condo back in Idaho in this dream, just... I'm on a, I'm on beautiful Lake Coeur d'Alene in this little condo, and um, there's like a kind of like a deck walkway, and literally the lake is right under the condo, and it's just the sun is shining through, and it's just gleaming and beautiful, and I can see the light refracting in the water, um, and there's the the big boulders. Um, there's a lot of big boulders and rocks over there, and it's kind of like the condo is, is just very secure in that little spot. And um, I'm going to have a potluck, and in come some friends. My door is open, and my condo is on the, the very end of this little walkway on the water. And they're coming in um, to share in this potluck with me. And one of them is my friend Julie, um, who's the music director at Unity Church, where I used to go in Idaho. Um, and she has a 
dish of food in her hands that she's carrying. Everybody is smiling, and the mood is very bright and happy. Um, and the funny thing is, is in my dream, I'm still married to my ex-husband, mm-hmm. who still lives over there, over that way. Um, and he's walking out the door as people are coming in the door. Um and I think the house inside is kind of bright, like light yellows and whites. It's very cheerful and open. Um, but I, you know, I haven't, I've been divorced from him since 2011. And I keep dreaming that we're still married, which to me is kind of frustrating because I don't, I feel like I'm over it. And I don't know why I keep dreaming that I'm still married to him. Um, but anyway, he's leaving out the front door. And the funny thing is, is that the frame around the door is very, uh, like, black lacquer paint around it. And it's just such a contrast with the pale yellow and the, and the white in the house. Um, and I notice, as I'm saying goodbye, and he's, he's walking away, I'm trying to shut the door, or, or I just notice there's a problem to where the lock is broken on the door, and I cannot lock it at all um i wasn't worried about locking it in that moment but he was going to be gone for a long time and then i was just very concerned about this lock and i i kind of pointed it out to him and he did not care in the least and he just walked away mm-hmm. and that was it okay hmm. yeah I, w- I was just curious what uh what is the uh jumps out at you now after sharing this other feelings in the dream that uh, that kind of came up as you were sharing well um it's kind of like so he stayed in north idaho when i left and um it wasn't a terrible divorce or anything um but we don't really we're not really in communication and i guess i'm a little bit concerned about going back to that area um mm-hmm. Because usually the women in my family, whenever they get divorced, they move like a state away or two or three states (laughs) away from the other person. Um, And I I didn't need to do that for safety or anything, but um, I'm just, well, I'm curious why I keep dreaming I'm married to him Mm because I'm over it and everything. Well, let's uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean. Can we, can we just let's see if uh, Tina has any thoughts? We have uh, we have okay. only about five minutes left in the show, and I want to okay. make just. Uh, but I, I'm really glad that you called, and I'm curious what's going to come of this. So, uh, so Tina, yeah. do you want to yeah. get your two cents worth in here, and then we'll um, go back to Kristen. Yeah, well, I'm struck by the the door that won't lock, and also your sense that you can't stop dreaming about him, even though you'd like to. That there's a part of me, if this were my dream, that um, I haven't I haven't figured out how to close the door on this on this thing, on this relationship. Mm-hmm. And for me to move back into that joyful space in Idaho where I clearly want to go to, I do need to figure out where where the lock is. Um, yeah, that would be my uh, if if it were my dream mm-hmm. I would be thinking something about that. You know, where where is it that the lock exists in me? Um, do I need it? 
what what would it look like for me to close that be able to close that door more securely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good questions you know but mm-hmm. I, I'm very struck by the you know the beauty of of the space yeah. that and the that friends are bringing, bringing food. It, friends are bringing food. Sounds great. Yeah. So and he's going out the that, door. That's good. <laughs> maybe that's good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, maybe it's my brain just reminding me that that is over, and he's not worried about it um, in the dream at all. He's not worried about the door. Um not being able to be locked, so maybe it's telling me that I'm, I don't have anything to worry about. Hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, well, thanks for calling, Kristen. I, I, I appreciate right. yeah. you bringing this in, and you know, there there is sure. something, like I dreamed about my ex for many, many years after we, we broke up. He still shows up occasionally, and it, it's certainly a, a common thing. And I don't think it means we want to get back together because I don't. I don't no, don't. right? Uh, no. And, yet, no, and I wonder. I but I wonder. Like, talk about our own reality. Is there some way that he was part of my life for so long that it was, it's mm-hmm. kind of in there? It's kind of a part of mm-hmm. me now in some ways. So try to think of it that way. That's how I try to think about it when he shows up. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I, mm-hmm. I kind of. Um, don't really enjoy dreaming about somebody that I used to be yeah. with. Yeah, like, A lot. I dream in a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Kristen. Yeah. Um, all right. Bye, Kristen. Bye now. Bye-bye. So, Tina, this has been amazing. I'll, I want to say again, uh, you're at tinatow.com. Uh, your book, which has been out for which about, about a year or less, Ask for Horses, Memoir of a Dream-Guided yeah. Life. And if you want to take one minute you could say any kind of encouragement you like or you could bring in your idea about the climate change idea that we've topic we didn't get to uh if you have a what do you want to how do you want to finish with this tina um well i'm really interested in consulting dreams about the climate change crisis um so i i think there's tremendous amount of intelligence there that we could tap so uh that's another conversation. Um, yeah. yeah, my book is lovely, so I I encourage um, people to look at it on my website or you know think about it. It's um, so a combination of years and years us, of work. Just give us a, a fifteen second uh, uh, synopsis of what makes this book special. Was it different from other memoirs? Well, it's um, it's woven together my life story woven together with 40 of my big dreams mm-hmm. and the story i tell a story about my life i tell a, a dream that came at that time and then how the dream helped me shift you know i wasn't very good at living my life by myself and so i was very grateful for and dependent on as it turned out the help of of some dreams so it's it's not quite half dream but the dreams are a deep part of the story, and they're, they're amazing. Some of them, you know, the reason I started to write the book in the first place is some of these dreams are too big for my life. They're, they're clearly, like the dream, Ask for Horses, the title, Dream. Yeah. You know, it's, it belongs, I would love to share this with the world. Oh, it's great. about, Thank you know, you. Ask, 
asking bigger, not not settling for what's laid out on the carpet for you, but asking <laughs> for something that will blow your life wide open. Right? If we're going to set the, for the, the theater of our own life, then why not ask for <laughs> horses? Thank you, Tina. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care now. Bye. Bye. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening. The Dream Journal is produced at the studios of KSQD in Santa Cruz, and we are live every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, ksqd.org. Podcast is released on the Monday after the show. It keeps us growing when you subscribe, rate, and review. I am Catherine Bell. You can find out about my dream coaching practice at experientialdreamwork.com. You can email me at Catherine at ksqd.org. That's K-A-T-H. E-R-I-N-E at K-S-Q-D dot O-R-G. You can follow me on Experiential Dreamwork on Facebook and Instagram to find out about upcoming shows. I'd like to thank Rick Kleffel, engineer and music creator, uh, and uh, also Tony Rosimano uh, for wrangling the phones. The intro music is Water Over Stones. This outro music is called Everything, and they're both by Mood Science. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, take a minute to write down your dream and bring it to the next Dream Journal. So